0: Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice We have a very interesting program for you today. We're talking about um, a book that is actually reminiscent of the book Eat, Pray, Love, where we describe what happens when you travel abroad and your life is completely transformed. And uh, when you come back here, you're really on a mission. And these kinds of transformative experiences, I think, are what shape so many of us in our lives, and we're very fortunate to have an author who has who has done some of this, and she's going to be here today and share with us. Her name is Jermaine Para. Jermaine left the confines of her small town at 18 years old with $35 in her pocket. She was determined to broaden her education and dream on her own to explore the world and discover the exciting life that would have her name on it. She earned a degree from the University of Chicago. She studied economics. Then she lived abroad for 17 years in seven countries. First as a single woman, and then as a wife and a mother of two daughters. And she currently lives in Washington, D.C. She speaks on Feng Shui and also Chinese astrology and combines her knowledge of metaphysical sciences with her real estate practice on a daily basis. And her work is very much... Of the Divine, she shows us how we're all connected. And her book is Searching for the Caravan, A Reconciliation with Love, Science, and Divinity. Divinity. And again, it's an account of Jermaine Parra's life in many third world countries in the Mideast, including Pakistan during the first Gulf War, Thailand during the tsunami, and Bangladesh on 9-11. And those countries certainly were fraught with a lot of hardships, but what happened for her is that she examined her life and came back stronger than ever.
2: Welcome, Jermaine. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about, you know, this whole trip. I mean, here you were, you grew up in a small, mid-eastern town, probably somewhat naive and somewhat sheltered,
2: I would oh, imagine. Oh, definitely, yes.
1: And, yes. you know, here you were now, you were going from, as, you know, as you've written, from the East to the Midwest,
2: no, from the um, yeah, from the Midwest to the Mideast. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: The Midwest of our country, right, to the mid to the Mideast of the world. In very difficult times.
2: Yes, it was. So
1: how did you get there? How did that all occur? You went first as a single woman.
2: Well, I was living first in France and Switzerland as a single person, and then when I came back from overseas, I got the degree in economics, and that is when I was uh, went into a different field, economics, where I met my husband. Uh, we were married. We had a daughter, and his, um, you know, he had a company, um, but then he decided to work for uh, one of these large mega companies that would take him overseas. And his first project was with, in Pakistan uh, with a Hub River project. Um, it was a huge conglomerate of all different countries and working together and all different uh, organizations. And um, so we were in Karachi, Pakistan in 1990 when I was six months pregnant and I had a two-year-old daughter. Wow.
1: Um, so we
2: were there for, what, two and a half years. But uh, that was very difficult, Patricia. It must have been difficult, difficult having
1: a child there. Was that a challenge? Terrible,
2: terrible, terrible. terrible. Um, and the reason why it was is because she was only two. She couldn't really express all of her things herself. She felt so vulnerable. And, um, you know, I also, she was frightened from the people. They didn't understand her. They don't have the same um, well, the people who were living in our house, anyway, did not, you know, take care with her to try to understand her the way that I did. She was only two, uh, and I was I was six months pregnant. I was ready to deliver, and the doctor um, wasn't making it easy for me either. He um, decided to go off to England before he did the cesarean section. So here I was, <laughs> and he went, so I, I had delivered actually. With, I delivered my baby. Um, with someone who I had not met before. Yeah, very, so, very interesting. so was, that was just was one not,
1: experience. You know, that was one of them. Yeah. Then after that, you went through some of these catastrophic events that happened within the countries.
2: Right, we did. Uh, you know, getting uh, going back to Karachi. You know, what it was is that the food, the, the food supply wasn't. You know, wasn't there. There was no water and it was a struggle inside the home and outside the home and on top of that there was this uh struggle in the middle east they were all going on at the same time yes and then we went to um you know we were in in we went to the philippines after that that was after there was this coup d'etat and this, so the country was also rebalancing itself and then we went to um We went to Bangladesh, and Bangladesh was during 9-11. That was also, you know, it was just another time for us to reflect. By that time, I had had already studied feng shui, and because I started studying in the Philippines. And when I started studying the feng shui, I could analyze my life from a different perspective, and I knew what it was that I needed to bring calm into our lives. So I didn't go to Bangladesh blind like I did some of the other, you know, like I did the other countries. And I, and I, and I had the, um, you know, because Bangladesh also had all of this water. But then there was 9-11. And when that happened, everything was turned upside down again. Um, I could not have believed that we were, uh, our staff treated us differently. They became empowered, um, you know, after that happened. And I uh, was kind of taken aback because there were demonstrations everywhere. It was an otherwise somewhat friendly country, even though it was rife with poverty, as you can imagine. Um, But we were treated differently until we flexed our muscles and showed that we, you know, that we did retaliate against Afghanistan and things then turned around for us. Um, I,
1: my my question about all this and I know you know we could talk about that but we could also talk about certainly Bangladesh on 911. I think my question is with all of this mm-hmm. with all of these um, you know emotional traumas I mean mm-hmm. not just personally but the mm-hmm. whole country was feeling it. Right. What what was it, Germaine, that brought you to another realization that a I'm going to be okay? A, mm-hmm. I'm here for an important reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: B, I'm not going to lose hope.
2: What, Frankie, where that's did a all that come good from? question. That's a very good question. You know, the most important thing that I learned is that we are all connected mm-hmm. and that what happens in Bangladesh affects us on the other side of the world. Now, we happened to be there, but we were still affected. We were getting news from the – we were getting news that had ha- – what had happened in the United States – but how that played out in our world in Bangladesh with the demonstrations and the reaction to people, there is no one who can say that we are not all connected. We all feel things. Um, we all, you know, we're we're all in this together. And I think that it is important. What I walked away with after all of those experiences is how valuable, how important it is that we love ourselves. And we love one another because we owe it to one another to do the best that we can. We owe it to ourselves, our families, and we are passing on a legacy to the next generation and we need to be responsible for that legacy. That was what I, you know, that is what I walked away with, I think, the most.
1: And and, and I I think that's so important. You must have, during that time, and having said that just now,
2: Mm -hmm. you must
1: have met some people that you connected with to have that feeling.
2: Oh, I did. I mean, just thinking about my, you know, my relationship with my husband, my children, that would be the most immediate part of it. But, um, you know, when we were in Bangladesh, for example, you know, I, I talk about the poverty there. And how our thoughts affect one another. You know, when we went outside of our gate, there was this beggar who was there, and um, he had he had a horrible wound inflicted on. His eyes were taken out, Ugh. and and so when he was out there, well, every day when he got dressed, he would go to the road to beg, and he would think about the day when his eyes were taken out. That thought then bumps into another thought, which is negative. That negative thought bumps into another negative thought. It's all negative, 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 negative. When you have to turn those thoughts around to become positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, that is what the balance is all about. It is about balance, positive and negative. And that is what we strive for in this life. And if we don't have that, things are upside down. When 9-11 happened... The world, not just the United States, but the entire world was flipped into a tailspin that we are still trying to recover from. When you think of all of the other events that have since occurred just because of that one event, it's our attitude towards one another, it is our relationship towards one another, everything has changed since that day. And we have got to learn that we are all people
1: mm-hmm. and that
2: we all come at life with our own sets of issues. But if we can just love ourselves, that is already the first step to creating balance around us. I mean, no. it sounds like that's an easy thing. It's not no, because it's no, so complicated. It sounds simple, I, I but think, it's complex. I, I think the other question
1: I would have is, you know, now you're back. You're mm-hmm. selling real estate, which is a very you know, um, mainstream, um, you know, very mainstream, sales-oriented, driven, and difficult profession.
2: Mm -hmm. It's very difficult.
1: You are are bringing in this aspect of compassion and love and light Mm -hmm. through Feng Shui. Now, talk about how the Feng Shui became part of all of this. Did it happen before you left um, the Middle East? Or no. did you have, bring that in afterwards?
2: It came in afterwards. When we were living in uh, Pakistan, my daughter had almost died several times. and um, But our lives were just falling apart. It was just so tough. What I didn't realize then until I was there was the importance of water. There was no water. Four inches of rainfall a year in Karachi, Pakistan, and I didn't know at that time that I was a wood, but so were my two children. They were both also wood elements. N- water nurtures wood, and there wasn't enough. And uh, it, there wasn't enough in Pakistan. The sand uh, also dried up what little, what little water there was. So when we went from Pakistan to the Philippines, where the, the tropics, it was lush and green and great rainfall every year, we immediately felt better. But it was, at that time, our lives were still falling apart. When we went to our house, there was, I mean, I had a heart attack. My husband had a hip replacement. I had tuberculosis. Again, my daughter almost died. All of her pets were dying. I knew it had something to do with the house that we were living in, and I didn't know what, but I attended a lecture, and I knew that that was it. The woman at the lecture um, gave us a few things that we could do in our home. Um, I went home and I incorporated some of those things and immediately I felt a difference. And I'm not saying that I felt it absolutely much, you know, better, but I felt a difference. And since I have a background in science, the scientific aspect of the feng shui appealed to me. I I was compelled to study this science. At that time, there were no books on the subject, so I had to learn it, or I had to begin my studies on an apprentice basis, um, just learning what I could. But having done, you know, just making the few changes now in our house in the Philippines, it made all the difference in the world. What it did was our house now nurtured us, whereas before, our house was draining us, and that is why the feng shui is so important it is to help us nurture ourselves so that we can be nurturing and loving you know with ourselves and with our with others and that we can then pass that on to the next person it is all a reaction because we are all connected and we are all in this together
1: I think the other interesting note is that the Feng Shui, which is about space from a Chinese perspective, mm-hmm. um, really helps you, really can, I think, soften and humanize some of the difficult transactions we go through in real estate and really oh, bring that, that spiritual element in.
2: Yes. Well, you know, the other thing is that I like to do a chart, you know, a, a Chinese astrological chart of the people who are wanting the house because then you can take their personal element and align it with a the house. Then you know which group that they belong to, whether it is an Eastern group or a Western group, and you can align their home with their chart specifically. That is um, that is a higher level of feng shui as opposed to doing a generic um you know, just doing a generic analysis of a home, even though that's important in itself. But it is connecting the person to the house and then to the environment.
1: Yes, and, and there's a whole map. People, there's a whole, it's called the Bagua map, correct? That you that's use. Right. Um It's um based on Chinese science.
2: That's exactly right. It is. And, you know, Patricia, this science is 4,000 years old. It is um, there is so much analysis that has gone into it, but it also has four thousand years of tried and true practices that have been passed on to us. The Bagua map, um, as you pointed out, has there are eight guas and then the center gua, which is the spiritual gua. People who are hardcore scientists are going to say, "Well, it's strictly about." Um, science there's no spirituality, I, differ, I do disagree with them. I think that the heart of the Bhagawa, which is the Tao, is the spiritual center. And it is the spiritual center that emanates energy to all of the different aspects of one's life, which are career and children, um, home, um, your relationships, your money corner, um, your helpful people, all of, all the, every other aspect of your life is affected. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it comes from the spiritual center. And it all has to be in balance. And that balance is based on fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. That is, that is how you arrive at achieving the balance that you want.
1: Figure out if a person is one of those elements.
2: How do you figure out if a person is in one of those elements?
0: Yes, the water, the fire, the wood.
2: Yes, thank you. That's a good question. It is through the Chinese astrology chart, which is called the Batsi, and it is based on what are called four pillars. It is the year, the month, the day, and the hour that you were born. You look at the day that you were born, which is called your day master. That day master is... Is the equivalent to the queen on a chess set. On her own, she doesn't have a lot of power. Her power is based on all of the elements that are arranged around her. So you look at that day master, you determine the strength of it and what your home needs and what you need to nurture you from that day master. Mm. So then you take your, you know, you take your, 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 your chart you go to your home and the occupants of the home and you try to balance it, you b- try to balance the home in their best interest based on what it is that they need so that it is all, so that, it, so that you are in alignment with your home, your home is align, in alignment with your environment. And when you're in alignment with your environment, you can achieve amazing results. I'm talking, you can achieve amazing results both personally, but also you have the nurturing aspect um, so that you can preserve yourself because we're all going to have tough times, but we will have a better time of it if we are prepared for those tough times. Mm So anyway, it is... uh, I, I'm very fortunate and that I, I can actually bring this aspect into the real estate practice because I think it is so important.
1: Yes, it it, it really is. It is. And, and it really... Um, do you think, Germaine, that if you had not had these experiences abroad, do you think you would have gravitated toward Feng Shui?
2: Well, that's a very good question. I think that my... First of all, I had the opportunity to live in how many houses? I lived in 17 countries and oh. uh, and over a course of I mean excuse me, not 17 countries, what am I talking about? I lived in 7 countries over the course of 17 years. And that's a lot of moving around in a lot of different environments. So and because I am so um analytical anyway, I I felt everything I had the opportunity to to think well why is that not working here what is wrong with this place I would walk into a house and I would feel it first before I uh, would decide that I wanted to live in it and it had nothing at all to do with how beautiful it was or how ugly it was it had to do with something that I was feeling and if I had not had the opportunity to be moving all of those times I don't know that I would have landed on feng shui. I, I also, you know, I had um, because I was in such such uh, diverse situations politically, economically, and socially. I had the opportunity too to examine the peoples from different cultures and and religion and how it all played into their lives. I don't know that I i certainly would not have written the book i don't know that i would have bumped into feng shui because i'm curious i would have wanted to i'm i'm always exploring something but it gave me truly a bird's eye view and firsthand experience that i never ever could have acquired in any other way i felt every move and i felt every country and all of the experiences that we had actually gone through. Yeah, that's amazing. So you've
1: really, you know, you've really taken what you learned and you've transformed it in such a positive way because I would imagine that someone could have your experiences, particularly with these catastrophes that happened, the tsunami in Thailand, Bangladesh on 9-11, Pakistan during the first Gulf War, I would imagine that somebody could have those experiences and really be devastated and quite negative and come back and say, I'm never doing another thing.
2: Yes, I think that that is true. Absolutely. Because certainly there are many people who were traveling, uh, you know, there were other people who were living in these places, and I don't know that they have, uh, you know, put it all together to sort it all out, to come up with some answers, you know, for themselves. But I was also on a spiritual quest. I really wanted to be close to God, and something that I have found was this trio of uh, the trio of activities of awarenesses, I guess it is, that lead to a higher vibration, and that is gratitude for the life you've led and for the experiences that you had, because they have to teach you something. First, you have to show gratitude. When you show gratitude you are able to look at a certain you are able to look at a harsh situation and forgive it. So after you have gratitude any, already any, raise yeah. your, and, and then you forgive it and then you can express love and thanksgiving. Mm. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and experience for becoming a better person. If anything yeah. I, it helped me become a better person. Yeah,
1: I want to say something to what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. I think what you just said is very, very important. And I know, I mean, I've been in the business of doing these interviews for many, many years. So I'm supposedly Miss Positivity. And let me mm-hmm. tell you that I struggle with what you just said, because mm-hmm. there are times when I get down and I'm not looking for what was the lesson, what was the blessing, what's the gratitude, mm-hmm. what can I learn? I eventually get there, Jermaine, mm-hmm. but there are these little, you know, spin arounds where it's like, oh, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. you know, poor mm-hmm. me. And, <laughs> and I think what you said is so important because it's when I do that, that mm-hmm. things do shift. There's you no question that. about it. And I think that it's a great lesson for all of us Mm -hmm. is that we are going to have hard times and things aren't always going to go well. And, you know, we we have a choice. We either, you know, say, isn't this horrible? And Mm -hmm. maybe it is horrible and and it may really affect us. But what can we take from that that brings Mm -hmm. us to the next level?
2: Yes, there's got to be something that we are supposed to be learning from that situation. And if we don't learn at that time in that and that, with that difficulty and that problem, something worse is going to come back and give us a second try at it or a third try or a fourth try. We've got to correct the situations when they come up, the difficult ones. And the first thing that you can do is say, thank you for giving me the situation. Thank you. I want to learn from it. Tell me what it is that I need to learn. So after you show gratitude for it, you know, when I was going through my difficult times with my marriage, of course I was upset about about it um, but the first thing that I did was to say what was positive about this and my children I am so grateful for my children I am grateful for the opportunities that we had together I was grateful for the time that I was given even to explore these mysteries of life after I could show this gratitude I started I started all of these feelings of love welled up inside of me for my husband and when I could when these feelings of love welled up inside of me for all of the blessings that came my way because of my relationship with him, then I was able to forgive him. And after I could forgive him, I could leave him go in love, peace, harmony, and wish him well. And what could have been perhaps a negative, a negative relationship for me has turned into one of the most beautiful relationships that I've ever had. We are not together, but I can love him. We, even if we are not together. And we have a very nice relationship. I think that this is important for our legacy. We have to pass on a legacy for our children that is positive and for the world around us.
1: Well, and what a beautiful way to close the interview. Just beautiful. Thank you for being on the program, Jermaine. Oh,
2: thank you, Patricia. I'm so happy to be here. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Let
1: me, uh, let's tell people how they can get your book and how they can contact you.
2: Okay. It's Searching for the Caravan, A Reconciliation with Love, Science, and Divinity. And it's available through Amazon and also on my website, which is searchingforthecaravan.com. And there's also an email address that comes to me directly.
1: All right. All right. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you again so much for being on the program and being so inspirational. Thank you, Patricia. All right. All right. That uh, closes out this segment of Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Remember, folks, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Bye for now.